according to John chapter 19, the series, Truth on Trial, and really this encounter between Jesus and Pilate. We're still looking at that encounter, at least a different aspect of it, and it's very, very important. Maybe you'd ask the question, somebody, I'm sure somebody's asked the question, who cares about Pilate? He was a loser. He was on the wrong side of history. He didn't get it right. But Pilate's significance, I would make these arguments for taking a longer look at Pilate. Of course, we're looking at Jesus. He is the center of the piece, but there's a lot of discussion here about Pilate, especially in the gospel according to John. John seems to focus on Pilate's role in the trial and crucifixion of Jesus, and, and for good reason. But I think, number one, the scriptures give attention to Pilate. Uh, it doesn't just say, and there was some governor, and there was some Roman authority. It tells, introduces us to Pilate. We learn a great deal about Pilate in the scriptures, not just in John, but the other gospel accounts. So the scriptures give attention. And since all scripture is given by inspiration of God, then that means uh, we should pay attention to what the Bible emphasizes. So there's the scriptures emphasis upon Pilate. And then there is, I think, a, a resonance between most people's attitude toward Christ and the attitude of Pilate. I think many people, especially those who grow up in, uh, in Christendom, will say in a Western culture that knows more about uh, Christianity, maybe not what they ought to know, but they know about Christianity, they know about Jesus. And I think most people who are not Christians, born-again believers, I should say, most of them have an attitude toward Christ not unlike Pilate. They, they see Jesus rather like Pilate did. They have some good things to say about Jesus. They have some commendations. They have some, uh, I, I think he's a good man. I, I think he, uh, I find no fault in him, Pilate will say. And Pilate doesn't want to crucify Jesus. And I think many people look at Jesus and the, and they think, why, Jesus was a good person. He was a teacher and a helper and a kind and loving person. Oh, and it's so sad that people didn't receive and didn't accept him. So I think a lot of people's attitude toward Jesus is like Pilate's. But sadly, also their attitude is like Pilate's is, I don't care who he is as long as it doesn't cause me any problems. Let it be somebody else's problem. I, I don't understand all the religious talk about him, not my... Uh, interest. I don't really, all these religious disagreements and religious questions. I don't want to get involved in uh, discussing, don't discuss politics and religion. I don't get into it. I don't know, people have strong opinions. I don't really want to get into it. And then, uh, well, uh, I know Pilate did consent to Jesus' crucifixion, and I don't really know. It's not my responsibility. It's uh, somebody else's responsibility. So I think a lot of the scripture's emphasis on Pilate, a focus on Pilate, and uh, there's a lot we can learn about people to whom we witness through the eyes and the, and the ears and the voice of uh, Pilate. Uh, Pilate's the one who asked Jesus the famous question, what is uh, truth? Now, I'm picking up the narrative here in verse 5 on the screen, but I really should read verse 1. We'll go back to verse 1. That's why you need to have your Bible with you. Don't trust me. You always have all the verses you need. I hope you brought your Bible uh, either on your device or in your hands. But 19.1 says, 
Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. <clears throat> then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe. And uh, here we have, And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priest therefore and other officers and officers saw him, they cried out, uh, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Twice he said that. He's, it seems to be Pilate's judgment, Pilate's uh, conclusion about the matter. I don't know what all this religious controversy is about. I don't know what the accusations mean. I find no fault in him. Pilate's not a Jew. He has no religious quarrel with Jesus. Uh, Pilate is not uh, interested in... Uh, these uh, disputes, as it were, and uh, he has scourged him, which means that he has had Jesus beaten, and the other Gospels give some depth to the, the horrendous beating that Jesus experienced, uh, the kind of torture that you would give to make someone confess to a crime, uh, the kind of uh, beating that you would use to uh, cause someone to burst out in anger, curse, and, and uh, to uh, react in anger, maybe to strike uh, one of the officers, to, to commit some crime. Uh, be a terrible, terrible thing uh, to, to beat someone like this, and then when they finally do, maybe lash out with words or uh, with their fists, you say, oh yes, he struck an officer. Uh, well, with provocation, but the fact of the matter is Jesus does not respond. He does not respond in anger. He does not respond in frustration. And Pilate is aware of this. And by the way, this is not Pilate's first uh, man in the dock. This is not his first time to deal with some accusations or some political intrigue. Uh, Pilate uh, was a man of authority. And uh, when he told his soldiers to scourge him and beat him, they did it. And so Pilate says twice, he says, I don't find any fault in this man. It's an extraordinary testimonial, just fascinating, because if there was something Pilate could have said, well, uh, he's, he's lied to me several times since he's been here. He's said things that I know are blasphemous to the Jews or to the Romans. He says, I, I find no fault in him. It's an extraordinary testimony uh, that, that Pilate gives about Jesus. The Jews answered, verse 7, answered Pilate, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die because he made himself the Son of God. Now, if you've been with me in any of the part of the series from the, the Truth on Trial, they have correctly understood Jesus' claim. Their accusation, uh, every Christian here says, yes, yes, he is the Son of God. Yeah. From chapter 1, we've been learning that he is the Son of God, and he's been proving that he's the Son of God. He's done miracles, he's preached messages, he's done extraordinary things to say, I am he, I am God in the flesh. Um, his 
accusation here. It's, it's really kind of bizarre in a way. Pilate's conclusion is correct. There is no fault in it. But then his accusers, their accusation is also correct. I think their remedy is wrong. Uh, they should have received him as their Messiah. He really is the Lamb of Isaiah 53. But they have correctly identified Jesus' claim. They've heard what Jesus has claimed to be, and he is the Son of God. And the Jews say, but by our law, we re refuse to receive him, and we believe he should be put to death. They find him guilty of blasphemy. They find him guilty of, of claiming to be God. You and I know, I hope you and I know, he really is the Son of God. And there's no investigation here. Uh, and I, if I can criticize Pilate, then, is that okay? No, I'm, 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 I'm going to criticize Pilate on several points. And I'm thinking, Pilate, here is your, here's your opportunity. Pilate says, what, what evidence do you bring here? You say he claims to be the Son of God. Well, what's this about? Uh, uh, any people heard him say this? So what, what are your reasons for saying this? Now, I suspect that Jesus' accusers here really don't want to go into the courtroom and put their hand on a Bible or start testifying about what Jesus has said and done over the last three and a half years and saying uh, uh, he claimed to be the Son of God, but, uh, well, what's he been doing the last three and a half years of public ministry? Well, uh, basically proving that he's the Son of God. Uh, to many witnesses, uh, raising dead people, blind people see, lame people walk, deaf people hear, fed 5,000 one time. He raised Lazarus just the other day from the dead. But, and uh, Nicodemus and others have concluded, this must be uh, the Son of God. Amen. This must be. And so, uh, this is Pilate's opportunity, and one of several, I might say. Pilate should have said, Pilate could have said, well, uh, Kind of like Agrippa, you know, over in the book of Acts. And uh, Pilate could have said, well, let me think here. I, I think I'd like to hear more about this. What is this about? He claims to be the son of God? Uh, what, what, what are, why do you say that? Uh, but when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. It's very peculiar. Pilate is the most powerful man in the region. I don't think there's uh, because he had he's, he's a governor and not a king but Pilate has the Roman army at his disposal. He has uh, the authority of Rome. He is a, uh, answerable in some ways only to Caesar. He's appointed by Caesar to be the governor of this district and he's got some authority. Um, I, I find it fascinating what frightens him. What upsets him. Um, when he hears the saying that he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Pilate heard that saying and he was the more afraid. And uh, went again into the judgment hall. He's back and forth between Jesus, the accused, and the accusers in the crowd. And he says unto Jesus, Whence art thou? 
Where did you come from? Uh, who are you, he seems to be saying. But Jesus gave him no answer. Then said Pilate unto him, Pilate, I, I sense is getting more and more agitated. He's afraid. Uh, he's backed into a corner. And he's just enough of a politician that if there's one thing he's afraid of, it's a corner. Where you can't kick the issue down the road. When you can't say, oh, that would be Harry's problem. Oh, that would, oh, religious controversies. That would be the high priest. Oh, uh, tax problems. That would be, Pilate is used to delegating stuff and saying, oh, let them deal with this. So he, uh, see, Pilate literally doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He doesn't scourge Jesus. Uh, I think he had somebody scourging. I don't think Pilate does the deed. Pilate will not be the one that takes Jesus to Golgotha. Pilate won't be the one that nails him to the cross. Pilate will order people to do that. He has staff for that. He has soldiers. And his fear is, is, is it's really fascinating. And in verse 10, Pilate says, why won't you answer me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? I'm somebody around here. I'm, I'm the man in charge. Now, he's, he's not going to be acting like it. The crowd knows they've got him buffaloed already. They're reading Pilate's body language back and forth. Pilate's in, he's out. He, and he... Pilate starts to thump his chest and he says, do you not, do you not know who I am? I'm, I'm the governor of, I'm the Roman authority. Rome is the supreme power in this Mediterranean world and I speak for Caesar. I'm somebody. Why don't you answer my question? He's getting frustrated. I have the power to crucify you and I have the power to release you. Jesus does answer. I hope you can read this. Please. Well, I'm sorry about that. It's in red. I hope you got your Bible with you. Jesus, this is what Jesus said. You could have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Jesus answers boldly and almost in an outrageous way. He tells the, the most powerful man in Jerusalem, the most powerful man in the region. In Jesus' life, Pilate represents the power of the, the world system. Pilate, and Jesus says, uh, you wouldn't have any power unless it was given to you. And I don't think he's talking about his certificate from the Caesar. I don't think he's talking about his commission from the Roman army. I, I don't think he's talking about the delegated Roman power that Pilate has. I think he's talking about the permission that's given to him by God. You're, you're, you stand in a judgment hall, but my father put you there. My father arrange the providences and the circumstances 
you, you would not be where you are unless someone else gave you. Now, he's, Jesus speaks a little bit uh, enigmatically here. He's, he often does that. He doesn't mention his father. He doesn't mention heaven. But in a way, he says something insulting to Pilate. You don't have any power that's not given to you. You're somebody's errand boy. And then Jesus, of course, mentions the traitor. I think he mentions Judas, who has the greater sin for delivering Jesus into his hand. Uh, one writer said, Matthew Henry, I think, Jesus is alluding to the fact that there's something more uh, going on here than Pilate understands. I, I think Pilate knows that. He may not know what it is. He, he may not know where this is coming from or even where it's going, but Pilate knows this is complicated. You don't have this crowd out here crying, crucifying, and the, the religious leaders agitating. You don't have this kind of ruckus over nothing. Pilate knows he's got a potential riot. He's got a potential rebellion on his hands. He doesn't know if this is the precursor to something else. Uh, this could be a distraction and there could be some uh, uh, revolution afoot here. Pilate's uh, the, the ground is is trembling. Uh, he feels like it is, but actually it's Pilate who's trembling. He, he doesn't know what uh, to do. I want you to notice, first of all, in this passage, and again, I've already given you my warrant for why talk about Pilate? Shouldn't we just talk about Jesus? I mean, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the one who goes to the cross. Why focus on Pilate? Well, the Bible does. The Bible says uh, you, you need to read about this man, Pilate. I, I suppose uh, people who know not a great deal about the Bible, if you were to ask them, have you ever heard of Pilate? Uh, Pontius Pilate. I think, I think most people would say, oh, yeah, he, he was some kind of governor, wasn't he, or some kind of authority. I think Pilate's pretty famous, or I guess the word might be infamous. Uh, Pilate is... Um, uh, as familiar to many people as, as Judas Iscariot is. Pilate sort of represents uh, uh, the Roman Empire, and I think a lot of people... Um, Pilate is um, not just mentioned in the, in the Bible, he's also mentioned in current uh, or contemporary historical documents of the time. Um, the, um, there are... Roman historians and Jewish historians that, that mention this governor. Uh, this is real history here. This is not some legend or fable or some myth. Or uh, I'm always reminding me and you that the Bible goes into specificity sometimes. We think, why is the Bible telling us that it was this hour and this street and this place and this person? Because it really was this hour and this place and this person. It really did happen. It's that the writers of Scripture were not concerned that a year later or, or five years later, some contemporary person was going to say, wait a minute, Pilate was never governor here. There was never a Pilate. Oh, yes, there was. It's a matter of historical record. Now, I, I'm sure you're with me. You think, well, the Bible says that that's good enough for me. And I get that too. But it is fascinating to know that this is really a historical person here. 
So we're going to look at Pilate. We're going to talk about his predicament. Talk about the man in the middle. The man uh, halting between two decisions. Now, you Bible students, you're going to say, Pastor, you can just move on here. We know what Pilate does. We know what happens here. I, I, I know you know that. But I want you to pause for a minute before we get to that and get to the, you know, the, the big narrative here is the crucifixion of Jesus. I understand that. But I want us first to look at Pilate's predicament. Caught between Jesus being nothing, someone that Pilate could scourge and throw back out on the street and say, you Jews go on about your... Take your religious arguments somewhere else. Don't let me be hearing about it. Keep it quiet. Or I'll throw you all in prison. The Romans could be incredibly brutal. They could at times crucify dozens, scores of citizens of a region just to make a point. Sometimes the Romans would line the roads with crucified citizens who had either been in rebellion or had maybe not uh, told about you know, a rebellion or refused to pay their taxes. They would make an example of them. The Romans were not hesitant to crucify people. So, so Pilate's dilemma here is not like you might think of some societies or cultures saying, you know, capital punishment, that's really, wow, that's, that's an extreme measure. Even people who think that it might be warranted and uh, Western uh, cultures try to safeguard it and, and there's appeals and there's delays and there's, it's just, I mean, it's such a, and most governments, Western governments at least pay lip service to the fact that, we, well, we really don't want to go to war because that's, a, that's the last resort. So, uh, hence, Western civilization has always prided itself on having ambassadors and embassies and United Nations and League of Nations and let's get together and talk about things because they say we really don't want to go to war because, you know, that's extreme unction. Uh, so Pilate here is, he's, he's really caught in the middle of, it's really the conflict of the ages. What to do with Jesus? Now on this side of the cross, I know the dilemma is about whether to believe that Jesus really is the Son of God and that his death did really pay for your sins or to reject that and say, uh, well I don't uh, I don't really care. I don't really know. It doesn't really matter to me. But the fact of the matter is, Pilate's in a real predicament here. It's kind of hard for us sometimes to look at Pilate and say, what is he afraid of? Um, is he afraid that Jesus somehow is a, a king incognito, a king uh, in disguise, and at any moment his armies are going to break into the city. You know, it's been known to happen. It's been known to happen. I mean, when the destruction of Babylon occurred, they were having a party. And the Persians 
marched in through the dry riverbed under under the city, and so it, he's he's not sure who Jesus is, or where he came from, or why he's so controversial. He's examined him extensively, brutally, and his conclusion is, I don't find any fault in him. He's not said or done anything. He doesn't. He says he's. Jesus specifically told Pilate that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Now that may have kind of puzzled Pilate, but Pilate says, well, as long as you don't have any chariots and swords and spears, I'm okay. You, you can be the king of invisible. I'll be the king of, you know, of Jerusalem. I'll be the governor. But Pilate's in a predicament here, and, and he's literally shaking in his sandals. What to do? He's got this crowd of who insists that this man has to be crucified. Pilate scourged him, and, and that means Jesus was bloodied and beaten and bruised. And he, he takes him out, and, he, and Pilate knows human nature. He says, when they see his face, when they see him beaten and bruised and bloodied, they'll say, oh, uh, that's probably enough. There'll be some compassion. You know, he's, he's, he's banking on uh, uh, human nature saying, at least this crowd saying, uh, oh, okay, that, give him back to us. He's been punished. And, and, and when they react with, they see the bloody, battered, beaten body of Jesus, and they say, and uh, now crucify him. Pilate, Pilate's shook up here. He's, this is not going the way he thought it would go. This is not giving him the easy out. I, you want this notorious robber, this robber, or this Barabbas, or this man who is... He, I think Pilate thought he had the solution there. Oh, they've got to choose Jesus. He's meek and mild... Never hurt anybody, never led a revolution, never mistreated somebody, and you got Barabbas, who was a prophet. If he was in Pilate's custody, he was not just some street pickpocket. He wasn't just some, you know, run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, bad guy. He was like on the Roman army's ten most wanted list to end up in Pilate's custody. This, this, this guy's a serious, his picture was in the post office, or could have been, or it, he's notorious. I think when they, they said something about, you want John Dillinger, or you want Jesus? Uh, you want, uh, you know, this mass murderer, or Jesus? He says, oh, they'll go for Jesus. That's, I've done this before, I, can, I know how to work the crowd. And they choose Barabbas! Pilots. There are almost moments when I feel sorry for Pilate. Almost. But then again, I also think, boy, I can be like that. I don't really have trouble understanding Pilate because I think, boy, that's the way we sometimes deal with things. Isn't it? I don't want to make a decision. I don't want to decide. Pilate's predicament. You know, when I come to the end of this message, I, I will 
present another opportunity. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I hope I will have said enough that reminds you that Jesus is the sinless Son of God who came and, and died on the cross for you. If you'll turn and trust Him, you can be saved. And you'll, you'll have to make a, a decision. You'll either make a decision to trust Christ or you'll say, I, I don't really want to talk about it. I don't really want to think about it. I, it's all very interesting and I, I know the good news you talked about, but it's not for me. It's not something I need to, I don't personally really want to make a commitment because if I make a commitment, I know, I know some things are going to change in my life. I know some things are going to be made new, be made better uh, or different at least. And people make a choice every time Christ is offered. Christians don't be in despair about that because we are the savior of life to them that believe. We're the savior of death to them that do not believe. We can't make people believe. We can't trick them. We can't manipulate them, or we shouldn't. We can't just tell sad stories and make them cry and say, you know, we, we, we don't. We're not supposed to use human uh, uh, manipulation of the, of the emotions. We're supposed to preach Christ and Him crucified. And to those who believe, he's the power of God unto salvation. But you'll have to make a choice. Pilate has a real predicament here. I suppose one writer said that there was somewhere in Pilate a sense of duty and justice. Not, not perfect justice, but the Romans had a very high ideal of duty. Uh, I'm sure Pilate carried himself well. I, I, I suspect he had a sense of authority about himself. I, I, I'm not aware of anything in Pilate's life that the Bible doesn't say he was a crook or a thief or uh, he was uh, you know oppressing the people. Uh, the reputation that Pilate has is that he was a good Roman and he had a sense of duty, a sense of right and wrong. Um, the fact that they had Barabbas arrested is the Romans frowned on robbing and stealing. <laughs> uh, that's bad for business. That's bad for the tax rate. It's bad for the property values when you have Barabbas running around, so they lock them up. And they crucify some of them. And Paul and, and Pilate, he has some sense of, of duty here. And the right thing, you and I both know the right thing is for Pilate to say, there's no reason to crucify this man. There's no human reason. There's no uh, uh, legal reason. There's no conceivable way in which this man deserves death. None. Believe me, if there had been anything that Pilate could have said, oh, that's it. You said the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. I think Pilate would have jumped on that and said, okay, here is my warrant. But he, he, he can't find anything. There's almost a plea in Pilate's voice. He says, I find no fault in him. Twice he says that. Pilate's in a real predicament. Notice Pilate's prayer. 
Now, I don't know if you actually call it, call it a prayer, but in verse 10, Pilate speaks to Jesus. I'm calling it a prayer because it starts with P. Well, I, I, I think he is talking to Jesus. It, it is, it's rather a, a request. Do you not know that I have the power? Jesus, think about what you're saying now. Think about your next answer. Because I have the power to crucify you, and I have the power to release you. Pilate actually throws light on his predicament here because he's under no obligation by law or public opinion. He hasn't, you know, done an opinion poll and say, well, I, I don't know what to do. I always do what the public wants, so let, let, let's do it a poll. How many of you? Pilate has, his authority is independent of the Jews. His, his authority is independent of the religious leaders. He doesn't answer to them. Now he, he has to keep the peace and he has to deal with them. But Pilate sums it up pretty well. He says, I have the power to crucify you. And I have the power to release you. And, and Pilate says, talk to me. Talk to me, Jesus. Say something. And I'm not sure if it matters to Pilate whether it's something that Jesus burst out and says something and Pilate says, that's it. I've, you're going to die. Or Pilate is saying, if you would just explain to me, what, why, why are they all mad at you? What's going on here? Just tell me. Because I'm the man in charge. And Jesus... He answers his prayer, but Jesus says um, he doesn't curry Pilate's favor. He doesn't say, why, yes, good sir, you are the man. You're the boss of all of us today. You have great authority. In a sense, that's true. Uh, he is, at that point, the power ordained by God in that place. And Jesus could have said all manner of true and perhaps even flattering things. Pilate, we, we, we know you're a noble Roman and I know you have power, but Jesus answers as I highlighted, Jesus says you, you don't have any power except what's given to you. And so in verse 12, we see Pilate's power. Pilate, verse 12, sought to release him. Pilate doesn't get angry at Jesus. He doesn't say, how dare you question my, I am the power. I'm the boss of this. I can say die, I can say live. I can do thumbs up. I give you thumbs down. I'm the man. Pilate doesn't respond that way. Pilate sought to release him. Pilate. Pilate's, I don't know if 
if he's got his detectives scouring the record books and saying, what? We tried the Barabbas thing. That didn't work. There's got to be some other, some other legal, political maneuver here. Uh, Where's the pause button? You know, where's the, where's the rewind here? Pilate sought relief. Pilate doesn't get angry. He's not insulted by Jesus. I, I think he's more intimidated by it. I think he's more fearful. I've got to find a way to release this man. There's no fault in him. Uh, justice would not be served. Uh, my conscience is bothered. Another gospel records that his wife has suffered nightmares about this. And she, she begs her husband to have nothing to do with Jesus. But Pilate's pattern, verse 12 goes on to say, but the Jews cried out. While there's delay, while there's this intermission, as it were, the crowd is more and more restless. The delay could only mean one thing. If, if Pilate had made a decision to crucify Jesus, uh, there would have been no reason for Pilate not to come out and say, as uh, the benevolent dictator, governor, I grant you, no one's telling me what to do, but because I want to do what's right, I'm sending him, he, could have, he would have answered that right away. And the crowd would have cheered. They would have, they would have cheered. They would have clapped. They would have applauded and said, Boy, old Pilate, you can always count on Pilate. Long live Pilate. Oh, he's the best governor we've ever had. Of course, we hate all the Romans, but we, well, he's still the best we've ever had. But when the delay, the, the crowd knows. While there's a delay, they know Pilate's looking for the exit. They know this. And they're probably being coached about this. They're, the chief priests and the scribes are saying, you've got to keep the pressure on. You've got to keep yelling. You've got to keep chanting. You've got to keep, keep the volume up. Don't, don't relent. The Jews cried out, saying, if you let this man go. They know that's what Pilate wants to do. They know that Pilate's predicament. Crucify him or set him free. And they say, if you let him go, you are not Caesar's friend. And there's a man on horseback right now ready to ride to the nearest post. And we're going to tell on you. We've got the messenger picked out. We've got the letter written. We've got the ship waiting at the coast, and he's sailing for Rome, and he, Caesar's going to hear about this. If you don't crucify this man, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And Pilate therefore heard that saying, verse 13, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that's called the pavement. But in the Hebrew, Gabbatha, or uh, a dais, or an elevated uh, rostrum, or, or a, a, a pulpit, or a higher area. Verse 
Verse 14, it was the preparation of the Passover at about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him, therefore unto them, verse 16, to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led away. Pilate has made his decision. Oh, he's done the political two-step. He's done the, uh, all the maneuvering that he could think of. He's offered him compromises. He's appealed to compassion. He's uh, looked for every exit. And the crowd is unrelenting. <coughs> Pilate's pattern is I got, I got to placate this crowd. That's really the story of this part of the encounter. It isn't Pilate and Jesus. I, I know ultimately it is, but on the surface, it really isn't about Pilate and Jesus. It's about Pilate and the crowd. It's about Pilate and the people outside the judgment hall. People who have no real authority. Or accountability for that matter. They don't have the political authority to crucify Jesus. They're not allowed to do it. They, they're, they're servants of Rome. They don't have the sword any longer. They're a, a conquered people. And it's, it's a story about Pilate and the crowd. Pilate's pattern is this. How can I placate the crowd? How can I satisfy this crowd? How can I make the crowd happy and maybe do the right thing too? As I said, you, you almost have to feel sorry for the guy. He wants to do the right thing, but he wants the crowd to be happy. I want, I, I, I want to be a noble, honest governor, but I want everybody to like me. I don't want anybody to tell Caesar I'm a bad governor or I sanctioned a rebellion. If this guy should leave this palace and show up at the outskirts of Rome with an army, I'll never get the end of it. I, I don't know what's going on here, but I, I got I to gotta keep this crowd from rioting or revolting or invoking Caesar's name. You see, Suddenly they've turned the table on Pilate's Roman authority and they say, we know Caesar too. We've heard of Caesar. We know how to get messengers to Caesar. Later on, the Apostle Paul, he'll know how to appeal to Caesar. He'll, he'll end up going to Rome. The Jews threaten Pilate. Paul, Pilate's pattern is I would do the right thing, but I've got to play for the crowd. Now, let me step further from the text here and close. Please, no cheering. Do you see Paul's, Pilate's, uh, Pilate's pattern here? There, there's somebody sitting here, and you're not a Christian, and you think, well, it's all very interesting. And, you know, I, I've been studying along with you in the Gospel according to John, and Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. He's the Messiah. Uh, he's the Creator. Uh, 
He's the I am. He's the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection and the life. He's proved it by resurrecting Lazarus. He's proved it by the miracles. He's proved it by his messages. Uh, he is the I am. And I, I, I must choose to believe in him, put my faith in him, or I must reject him. And somebody sitting here saying, I, I would do that, but I, I'm not sure my crowd would like it. I'm not sure my world would like it. I'm not sure all of my friends would cheer that. Some of my friends would say, oh, you've become a religious nut. Oh, now you're a religious fanatic. It's okay if you go to church, but you mean you're committing your life to Jesus of Nazareth as though he were the centerpiece of it, as he were the most important thing in your life, and you're going to become a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ. You're going to become uh, a Christian, and you think, well, I, I would do the right thing, but I don't want the crowd to laugh at me. I don't want the crowd to make fun of me. I, I don't want to lose my friends. You follow Pilate's pattern and say, I would trust Christ, but I, I don't like the discomfort it might bring, the embarrassment it might bring, the, the shame that it might bring. Now, maybe Christians here are saying, Pastor, uh, tell them that following Christ is the greatest path. It's the greatest life. Uh, it, and I, I would say that to you. It is true. But I also know that the devil and the world's whispering in your ear saying, don't, don't be a fanatic about this. Right. Don't, don't become too religious because then people will laugh at you. And people get thrown in prison for believing in Jesus. People lose their lives for confessing Jesus Christ. Not right now in our culture. But around the world, a profession of faith in Christ is a death sentence physically. Now it's an eternal life sentence spiritually, but it's a death sentence physically. I wonder, let's bow our heads. I told you I was close. <coughs> Pilate's pattern is all too familiar. We present Christ, we preach Christ. We ask men and women, boys and girls, who are old enough to understand that they're sinners, to trust Jesus Christ, to receive Him as Lord and Savior. Before we stand, before we sing or do anything at all, I wonder if there might be just one, one person who would stand up and come to the center and and interrupt me while I'm talking and say, Preacher, I, I want to trust Christ. I'm turning my back on the crowd. I'm turning the back on my life. I'm repenting of my sins. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. And I'm going to put my faith and trust in Him. And I'm going to choose Jesus. Would you come? Father, I pray you would speak to that one heart, maybe several somebodies, especially those who are here today. Maybe they're trusting their good works or their 
good intentions, but they've never turned from sin and trusted Christ and Christ alone. And I pray they would do so today. They would choose Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.